The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Thank you very much, Eamon. You're listening to The Hard Shoulder. Kieran Cuddy with you until seven o'clock. And Gavin Dowd is back with me as he is this time every week uh, to talk about a case from Irish legal history. Yes, it's time for another edition of In Our Defence. These cases always may seem a little odd on the surface, but they have ramifications that we all deal with and affect us all on a a daily basis. We might not even realise it. What are we talking about this week, Gavin? Kieran, it's the classic case of the dog versus the postman. Oh, literally. Uh, Look, the dog dog isn't going to court. (laughs) Dogs can't sue people. You can't sue dogs. But... Uh, if your animal attacks somebody, if your pet attacks somebody, are you, as its owner, responsible for it? So our story begins in South Dublin in the mid-1980s. Mr. Forster was a postman. He was on his second day on the job in this particular loop. Okay. First day, he visited Mr. Donovan's house. The Donovans had an Alsatian at home, and the Alsatian was in the house, and he was able to deliver the post, no problem. Now, the Donovans had phoned up the post office and said, we want to warn you, we have an Alsatian, Please don't come up all the way up our driveway and, and put the uh, post through our door, or through our letterbox. Leave it just at the gate to the house where there's a big sign, by the way, saying beware of Alsatian. So they phoned into the post office very much uh, with the postman's safety in mind to warn them of this. Mm. Post office didn't tell the postman. Right. It's Poor his old second Mr. day Foster. on the job. Mr. Foster comes round to the same house. He had no issues yesterday, so he walks straight up to the front door. The Alsatian is out on the loose and he is attacked by the Alsatian. God. Right. So Mr. For- Forster uh, sues, excuse me, uh, the, the Dunnamans uh, who, who own this Alsatian and say, yeah, you were in control of that dog and the dog attacked me. Now, it's ultimately, it's, it's a pretty simple outcome that the dog owners are liable for the dog causing the injury, but because there was negligence on behalf of the post office, the post office never told the postman not to come up to the door, then the post office have to cover their legal fees and actually have to pay out the damages on behalf of the Donovans to the postman. But the principle behind this case is this idea of scienter liability, Latin word scienter, and it basically means if you own a wild animal and you know that that animal has a propensity for mischief. That's the the phrase they use. You are liable for any injury or damage caused by that animal. Now, there are some animals that you can own that, by default, they are wild animals. They're dangerous. If you own a pet, tiger, or lion, okay, it's assumed that you know that this uh, these animals can cause uh, injury to people uh, quite easily. However, if it's a common dog, for instance... It depends whether or not you actually have seen this dog be vicious to people before, attack people before. Oh, so so it's not a general rule that like you're automatically liable for something your dog does because it, it, the implication, as you seem to yeah. explain it, is that well, no, if your dog has always been perfectly well behaved and then suddenly does something out of character, you may not be liable for it. Is that uh, it? yes, that is oh, correct. That's interesting. That is correct. It can depend on the circumstances, but yes. If your dog has been peaceful and generally well behaved and snaps out a character, as you said, and attacks somebody, then you may not be liable in those circumstances. But if there's any evidence that you've seen your dog acting um, mischievously or misbehaving before, then uh, you can be liable. There's also the Control of Dogs Act, which kind of amends it slightly and says the, the owner is liable for damage caused by a dog attacking a person whether or not they have knowledge. So that expands it a little bit. And the Control of Dogs Act says, even if you don't have knowledge of the dog being mischievous, you will still be liable. But it only applies where the dog attacks somebody. Let me uh, uh, posit a, a, a hypothetical. If the dog, you've got a kind of an exuberant dog and they mm. jump up on people, 
You know what I mean? But they're not attacking them. They're just, you know, they're kind of playfully, oh, playfully jump up and but they but they knock someone down and they break their hip. The Control of Dogs Act wouldn't apply there. This dog is not attacking the person that they've knocked over and broken their hip. The dog was looking for a, a rub, but it's just over exuberant. But the other... Well, the dog wouldn't argue that anyway. Well, the dog sorry. would say, I'm just being friendly. Yes, yeah. exactly. Uh, they would say that, wouldn't they? Um, <laughs> but um, so the Control of Dogs Act might not apply, I take it there, because there's no attack, quote unquote. But the, the, the other principle might apply because you might have experience of your dog doing this. Every time I go for yeah. a walk down the river, my dog jumps, jumps up, up on, on other someone. people and I let my dog off the leash, jumped up on this elderly, frail person and they fell and broke their hip. I am, I, I have some responsibility here. Precisely. And it's a great example because, look, lawyers will argue for hours and hours until the sun sets about the meaning of language. And what is an attack? Is jumping up on someone without biting them, without scraping them, is that an attack? I mean, it's unwanted contact, it's unwanted force on somebody's body, but does that count as an attack? Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. We're going to go with another hypothetical. So, you, 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 <laughs> Quite the philosopher today. Any, any type of attack, you're, you're in bother because of the latter piece of legislation you mentioned, the Control of Dogs Act. Yeah. Uh, uh, but again, as we say, the kind of playful jumping up on somebody, but it knocks them over and breaks their hip. The Control of Dogs Act may be disregarded, possibly in that situation, uh, again, they could have a row about the definition of attack. But let's say, for instance, it's disregarded. Then this other legal principle applies and you're in bother. If your dog has always jumped up on people playfully. If your dog, just for the first time in its 10-year existence, suddenly jumped up on somebody looking for a lick or... Oh, why would the dog be looking for a lick, actually? Sorry. Uh, licking them and looking for, a pe- looking for a rub. Whatever floats your boat. Um, then you you might get away with it. Uh, yes. You might say, listen, my dog has never jumped up on anyone, playfully, in its entire life. And I, you know, I suppose that's that's fair. You're only you should only be held liable to the extent that you you know how your dog behaves. Because, for instance, some people might it might make a decision about whether to put the dog in the lead based on the dog's past behaviour. If they're a tame dog, if they're a placid dog, there might be no reason not to leave them run free on a walk. And they might injure someone um, when they jump up on them, when they're running free. But, uh, you know, if, if you know a dog has jumped up on people in the past, there's mm. no excuse not to put it on a lead, for example. Um, so, yeah, interesting example. And it's uh, it's a piece of law that probably touches... All of us. But yes. very few of these cases actually make it to court in the end of the day because, you know, luckily too many people aren't seriously injured by uh, dogs. Yeah, well, I, 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 like Mr. Forster, I wouldn't like to be attacked by an Alsatian walking up a driveway, but yeah, usually the little nip is all you get. Um, our legal question of the week, what happens if someone dies without a will? Yeah, well, there's quite a, a strict, comprehensive uh, set of rules in the Succession Act about this. If someone dies intestate without a will or with a will that just isn't valid, then these rules take over. So um, the spouse, if they have a spouse, the deceased person will get two thirds and the children will get one third. And there's various kind of trickle down rules here. If you don't have a spouse, for instance, your kids will get an even uh, share between them. If you don't have a spouse or kids, it will go to your parents. And ultimately, if you can't take any of these boxes, it will go to the state. Um, your oh, the state, state are the ultimate inheritors if you can't find anyone else. Yes. All right, that's very interesting. That's what happens if you don't have a will. Uh, There are rules. It is not the Wild West. What are we talking about next week? Next week, I know people hate reading the small print in contracts. Yeah, it's not that they hate it. They just don't do it. They just uh, just don't bother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we take the accept all terms and conditions box and click submit. But 
And they always say, well, always read the small print. But our case next week will show that you might not always have to read all the small print in order to win your case. Good. Life's too short for the small print, so I say. Anyway, Gavin, a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. Gavin Alla, he will be along after the break with the business news. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.